Second and three. Burrow, facing pressure, goes over the top, wide open is Chase, and he splits the defenders for the touchdown. Hey now, it is the season 13 season premiere of the Sportscasters podcast coming to you live from Buffalo, New York. This is Steve Bennett. Yes, it's season 13, episode one, January 12th or 11th, something like that. 2011 was the debut of the Sportscasters. 12 years ago, 13 seasons, because one year I wanted the gimmick of another season premiere to get a guest. So we did two seasons that year. Since then, I've avoided that gimmick. One season per year. And last season was, of course, our shortest uh, season because of my health. I missed eight months last year uh, due to Crohn's disease and my two surgeries and the infection in between the two and everything that went with that. Uh, but we start 2023 better, feeling well, feeling fresh, and with a great show. On the show today, Mike Shope and Christopher Parker have done a show in Buffalo for more than two decades. The Afternoon Drive sports talk show, really the sports talk show in Buffalo, New York for more than two decades called Shope and the Bulldog. And they'll be on with me together after the first break. Mike and Chris have uh, done sports radio together. Mike's been on this show. Chris has not. So Chris will debut. Mike will be on again. And we'll talk about their career together, how the show started. Did they want to work together? We'll talk about the city of Buffalo, what it means to do sports talk here, who they want to see break the drought first. And we know now it won't be the Bills this year, at least. Also on the show today, another Buffalo sports radio legend, Pete Weber. Once one of the play-by-play men for the Buffalo Sabres. He also called baseball for the Buffalo Bisons. He's called the NHL hockey games for the Los Angeles Kings, the Buffalo Sabres, and for the last long period of time here for the Nashville Predators. Now, he debuted on the show a few years back when he had had a health issue that kept him out. And when he had come back, he came on the show. Well, again, he had just had a health issue that has kept him out. He had some water on the brain. He needed a stent put in to keep that water from the brain. He's doing well, and he'll be on the show after the book club update. The book club's back for season 13. Why is the book club back? Because it's a great way to get guests, and we have one book so far in 2023 that we'll talk about in the book club. One last thing. We'll close the show as it always does, and not always, as it mostly does. And today I have one last thing about one year later. And uh, some of the things that are ha- are haunting me one year later about my health, my mental and physical health. So we'll talk about that one last thing. So first things first, before we get to all that, the Bills, of course, uh, are not a team of destiny. They will not win the Super Bowl this year. Um, so the dilemma of me having to try to um, support those who supported me when my team was in the Super Bowl, I, I can put that off a year. Uh, nothing to see there. 
for a while now, I've thought the Bengals and the 49ers are the best teams. Uh, sort of an easy opinion to have since neither team has lost since November. So we'll see if they can keep the long winning streaks going and we have a repeat of the Super Bowls from the 80s, including the one that I remember watching at my grandma Paula's house uh, when Joe Montana threw the winning TD to Jonathan Taylor. Not Jonathan Taylor, John Taylor. And he saw John Candy famously in the stands. The Sabres are on a run. They've just won two in a row on the road on this current road trip, one in Dallas and one in St. Louis on back-to-back nights. They're creeping in to what could be a playoff spot. Really, they're doing exactly what I wanted them to do this year, what I complained to Wyshynski about them not doing earlier in the year, and that is they're playing meaningful games. They're in it. They're in it to win it. They have a chance here. Do they make it? I don't know, Uh, but I know that this is the ultimate step in the right direction because they're going to play games that matter deep into the season. And I think as the Bills season now ends and people focus more on them, the city's really going to fall in love with this group. They're a really, really a great group. The Saints, who knows what's going on with them? They wait to find out what happens with Sean Payton. Uh, They really need Sean Payton to find a job here so they can find a way into the first round and hopefully uh, they can find a way to a quarterback. The... Mickey Loomis put himself in a bad spot. Now he'll tell you, look it, we got two first-round picks last year, Olave and Penning. One of them is just our first-round pick this year. Okay, we'll see. Uh, Olave was a hit. Penning, we don't know because he was hurt most of the year, and when he came back, they used him as just jumbo, edge of the line, tight end here and there. He didn't get much time at tackle. So we'll have to see about him still. Uh, But they decided to remain... They're going to play it back. Dennis Allen's back. I've been on record. I hate Dennis Allen. I think he's a horrible head coach. I think he's a good defensive coordinator and a good man, but I don't think he's a great head coach. But he's going to be back, beat Carmichael, back at offensive coordinator. So we'll see. Uh, The Saints don't really have me jumping up and down. Italy does. I'm really excited about some of the young players in Italy and elsewhere in Europe. Uh, It's a big year. Nations League draw was this morning. We'll play Spain in the semifinals of the Nations League, and I think we can win if we pick a team for 2023 and not a team to pay tribute to the boys of 2021. Uh, It'll be important to see what Mancini does. I really am trying my best to book someone to try to come on this show next episode to explain what the hell's going on in Italy with Juventus and 15 points taken away and to kind of clarify to me who the real... 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old Italian prospects are. Who are the guys that can really make a difference at the Euro in 2024 and the World Cup in 2026? European qualifying is also this year for Italy. So it'll be a big year for Italy. And I'll talk about them and I'll talk about soccer more than I ever have on this show this year. My other teams, the Braves, the Sooners, we'll talk about that. And of course, the leagues in general. We'll try to do more pop culture this year. We'll try to do more pairs. We're going to do Chopin the Bulldog today, and I want to do more of that. I want to interview more people who work together in sports media. I want to learn more about their relationships. And I want to have more debuts. I want to have big debuts. I want this to be the year that we have Drew Brees. I want this to be the year that I get Jim Nance. I want this to be the year that 
I get people on this show that I've wanted to get for over a decade now and for whatever reason haven't. And above all, above all else, I just want this to be the year that I get to do podcasts the whole year. And uh, that's the goal. Staying healthy, doing shows the whole year. I want Paula to be on more. And uh, I want to interact with listeners more as well. I want listeners to somehow be a bigger part of this show. Because I know you're out there. And you do email me. And I appreciate every email. And we talk on text and email. And I'd like to find a way for listeners to be on the show more as well. All right. With that said, let's get season 13 of this show started. I can't believe it. 12 years of doing this show. It's really been a dream come true for me. It really has. And let's keep the dream going. Take a break. We're going to come back uh, with Mike Shope and Christopher Parker on the Sportscasters Season 13 premiere. Thank you for checking out the Sportscasters podcast. Don't forget to check out my other show, the 24-inch podcast. Hollywood Dave Rollins, Paula Bennett, and myself look back at the career of Hulk Hogan, the immortal one. We do it every other week. We cover matches from the 80s, the 90s, his entire career. We read the news from the era. It's a great nostalgic look back at the greatest wrestling career in the history of the business. Be sure to check it out right on this feed, brother. All right, let's do this. Sportscasters here. We're back with Mike Shope and Christopher Parker, the Bulldog, uh, two Buffalo sports talk staples for years, decades, really, at this point. Let's bring them in and introduce them. First, as far as this show goes, a guy who's been on a few times, been really good to the show and good to me. Um, he lives near me. We, we, he, he, he was the last person to see me alive last January uh, before I, I, I nearly <laughs> succumbed to my death the next day. Um, a warm sportscasters, welcome to Mike's show. What's up, Mike? And we're... What happened when we were out could have almost killed you too. Yes, it was the. I, I told my wife it says probably that food that they that they served us or whatever somehow intimidated so, me. So that bull, bulldog. That's I think I might have told you this story, but I will, won't name the place. No, we're out somewhere, yeah. and I know I know the owner, and I just gave him a heads so up. So do and I. We're going. Yep. He was he wasn't there, but his bartender was there, and I'm like, you know, because sometimes he will have like beers for us or something special for us. So she comes over, we're at a table, it's crowded. She comes over with like chicken sandwiches uh, wrapped in foil. Like, oh, this is our, this is our treat tonight. And we opened them and they were like half eaten. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> someone else's food, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't, like it wasn't set up or anything. And I, I don't know, like I'm not asking for anything, but maybe because sometimes it happens, there's something there for us. I'm thinking that this is it, and it was garbage. Yes. As a, just a, I, I don't know what she was doing. She thought that we moved, <laughs> she thought we moved from one spot to another and that she was bringing our stuff from the other spot to us, but we weren't, okay. you know, that's what I think happened. She thought, oh, these are those guys <laughs> that were sitting over here and now they're over here. Let me get their stuff and move it. And uh, so weird though, because yeah. I, I know her. And Mike was know. not happy about it. Mike, Mike was not happy about it. And um, 
yeah, and then so then we have a nice <laughs> night, and I'm having a fine night. I thought and didn't really feel anything, and then woke up the next day with seven months of hell. But um, it was it was nothing Mike did. It was or or the sandwiches. I think it was just my um, awful colon. Um, but with that said, we should also bring in the bulldog, uh, who is good right after awful colon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right after awful colon, we bring in the bulldog. How are you doing today, Bull? Welcome to the Sportscasters. Your first time. I appreciate you. Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm flattered uh, to be here. Thank you for asking, um, and I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. Yes, too long. Um, show's been on too long not to have you. I appreciate you guys. Everything that you've done. I was thinking about you guys a little bit last night. Uh, with the Ryan Miller stuff in the sense that when we think about the Sabres and, and the good times and the bad times, you know, one of the good times when Miller was at the centerpiece of that, one thing I always think about with that era is going to the games and coming up the escalators and seeing you guys set up in the in the, in the the mezzanine there and mm-hmm. just knowing it was a big game. You know what I mean? Just like coming up the escalators, it's, you know, 6 o'clock, you guys are waiting for the – hour break to end you guys are just sitting there people are walking by saying hello the table set up and it's just like yeah show up in the bulldog are here because i think you guys did it every night so maybe i'm exaggerating it's the big game thing but it, it just felt like a big deal to be there at the moment and you guys were there and you were on the radio live in the city and it just felt like a big thing to me and i was thinking about that last night during the miller ceremony it's something i remember a lot about his era you know and, and i yeah. did, and i remember you know coming up the escalators um for for one of the playoff games, maybe it was game six, maybe it was the first game against the Flyers the first year when Pierre won in double overtime and seeing you guys and uh, just that atmosphere, that moment, just f- the way it felt. I, I just felt that last night and thought of you guys. Any thoughts on that? Either of you want to take that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, we were there, uh, you know, any weeknight uh, home game, that was our spot for yeah. a while. I don't, I don't have the, the years down because we, you know, we were there. And then we were in the Sabre store for a couple of seasons, I think. And then eventually when they opened 716, that, that became our home uh, until the pandemic. And then that was the end of that. Um, I loved being there. You know, you know what? you talking about it being a playoff night. Um, you wouldn't have quite got it last night unless you got there real early. Um, and I've mentioned this to Mike and on the air, um, you know, during this, this period where the Sabres have not played meaningful games. Yeah. Uh, you know, beyond – the new year really. And you, you, you miss, I miss being on the air there when it's the sun is shining and people are coming into the game, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. big games in hockey happen when it's light out at seven o'clock. And that, that, you know, we've been in this sort of prolonged winter as far as hockey goes, where there haven't been, there hasn't been that, like that, that buzz of a, of a big game in a playoff race or a actual playoff game itself. Um, you know, the weather's nice. It's spring. It's kind of like a part of the vibe. Shorts in the Jersey. And on. Yeah. Walking in in shorts in the Jersey. I've not had that at all. That, that's what you saying that and thinking about sitting there in the sunlight makes me think of anything on that, Mike. Yeah. I like that point a lot. Yeah. It, it was, um, it was a, a former boss of ours who, when I think about like, your other point there, how uh, we're, we're visible. There's a thing that's happening and we're there and how maybe we can attach some, not importance to it, but a little bit of gravitas to it. And that seems like how it should be. I'm and Chris is, I think largely the same way, kind of a homebody. And I really am just, the, the thing that I care about is how the show sounds, not 
I don't want to be distracted by what I look like or is somebody standing right here or just anything like, or is there's a technical glitch would be, which would be more likely to happen on a remote, of course, but what a former boss of ours was always like, you know, if there's a big thing, you should be there. Like sort of a obvious <laughs> point. And I, I wouldn't say that I fought him on that. I accepted it is right. And now we're at a point from COVID and where we're at right now, where like that isn't happening very often, 716 closed and, uh, just things are different in different ways. So um, I'm, I'm missing it a little bit, you know, just in terms of like the show. And again, I don't really want to use this word, but it's importance. It's place that uh, here we are with the bills who are running so hot. And like, I don't know, I'm, I'm in that studio every day. Bulldogs in his house. <laughs> it's just a little bit, right? a little bit weird. Yeah. I'll talk to you guys a little bit about the Sabres being hot and the bills not and vice versa. Now we'll get to that in a minute, but you know, when I was thinking about doing this and putting everything together, I was thinking about Mike and the Mad Dog as the, the standard, right? I I grew up here, but I knew about Mike and the Mad Dog because as an Italian kid, I would go to New York to visit my Italian family on Staten Island, and I would get exposed to Mike and the Mad Dog. And then when Yes came in and they were on there, and I was a sports media and a sports radio nut, I would I would watch on there. And, I, I you know, there's been documentaries about their partnership. They've both been very vocal about it. And I think about that. And I think about these two guys, they came together. They didn't want to be together. They both wanted the show on their own. Uh, they fought against it. They came together. Did they like each other? Did they not like each other? Sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. All the stuff that goes with the Mike and the Mad Dog thing. And I was preparing this. I was thinking, you know, I wonder when you have a partnership like this, as long as it had, I wonder if one of them feels like, oh, I'm the Mad Dog or I'm the, you know, I'm the Russo or, or vice versa. Um, but before we get to that, let's start sort of to the beginning. When you guys came together. Did you want to be together? Did you, how did it, what was kind of the genesis of the program? Uh, maybe Mike, if you want to start and then Chris, you can jump in. Uh, how did it come together? And, and, and is that something you guys wanted? And, and, and the, the very beginnings of it. I liked working alone. When I came to, when I went to GR, I had been working alone and I went with Dickerson, which was a big adjustment. And then, as was anticipated, he retired and I was working alone and I liked that, but I was having a hard time. Like I was not, I was not, I didn't feel like I was fitting in. And I think numbers wise, I was struggling, if not the whole station. So when I was told that Chris would be moving to join me, I, I wasn't really mad about that. Like I sort of, okay, well this will be different. And and I liked him, even though I didn't really know him that well. And I, I thought, I remember it this way, I, I knew he had sort of a, a good guy image with the fans, and I seemed to have lost some of that when I made the move. So I thought in that way that would be good. But I was, I was thinking about ESPN at that time. And I even remember a night telling Chris at a Sabres game, that I was going. I really thought I was going. Yep. We talked and, about um, that. Yeah, we talked about that on here. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I did that, you know, off and on and kind of weekends for a year or two or maybe three. And I just realized I didn't really like it that much. I liked what I was doing here. And so that was it. Never after whatever that was, 2005, have ever really thought about it again. Like, this, this is my life. This is my job. This is my partner. And I've always been happy about it. What do you think, Chris? 
Yeah, I, I um I I was a fan of of Mike's before he came to our station. Um, you know, I, I liked listening to his show. I I still I remember when I, I think if I remember this right, when it was announced that you were coming over, I called in and said like I don't have to pretend like I don't listen to your show anymore. Uh, which you know, which I which, uh, you know I, I like saying at the time, and I and I meant it. Um, I, and, but as far as like working with him, was I eager to work? I, I, I remember being, being like brought in and I, I don't know, I might flatter myself to say they were, they, they were not necessarily telling me, but asking me what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, I think they had their plan in mind. It was, you know, a matter of whether, what was I going to do quit? Um, and it, and it never got anywhere near that. I just remember them asking me, like, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish? Like, what do you want? And I said, I want some stability. Like I had been through, you know, I started in 95 on my own five hour nighttime show. Um, got paired up with Tom Bowerly. Um, that changed to, to Kevin Sylvester. And like Mike said, the station was, I don't know, floundering is too strong, but like we weren't anywhere near um, it rating success. I mean, we were, we were buried, we were, you know, barely existing. Um, and I just wanted someone that I would get to work with that I felt like I could grow with and there would be some stability with. And so, um, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel about that until you start getting into it. And like, like you guys have just talked about the, the, the sort of the specter of, of ESPN was kind of hanging over it. So I, I don't know my, my buy-in level. I'm, I, I think I was skeptical about whether or not this was going to last, you know, as I felt like he, sure. he could go He's in, in and less stability I, then. Yeah. There goes the other new partner. Um, it'd be like a third new partner in sure. like five years or something. And like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm already by this point, like when we get together, my wife and I have one child, um, Owen was born in 02. Leo came along, you know, four, um, and like I wasn't going anywhere, you know, like we, we, we got a, we got a house in yeah, the city roots, and a very good time planted. Yep. and like, I'm here, like, I'm not looking for a better job. Like I've got this job, um, and my wife's in school and like, we just roots were, were down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, you know, he was talented enough and if he had the drive, like he could go and I'm going to have to figure out like, okay, who am I working with next? And that, I mean, I wouldn't say I was distracted by that frequently, but you know, it would come up, uh, either, you know, in my, you know, in my own head thinking about it or even talking with my wife about like, how is it going? Um, so I was a little nervous for a couple of years there that he was just going to go poof. Was there a time, uh, was there a show? Was there a moment? an era that you guys feel like it really clicked. I mean, I'm trying to time everything out in my head and I kind of think like, okay, 05 is about when you kind of ended the flirtation with ESPN. That's about the time that we have that rise of the Miller Sabres. You know, is it that era where the show you feel like really clicks or is there a moment? Is there any, any marker that you guys think of when you look back and say, that's when the show really became the show and we really found our, our rhythm and our groove. I'm really curious to hear what how Mike responds to this because right, I'm I'm you're up. at memory that I have about something and he might even suspect what I'm going to say, but I I want him to go first. Okay, fair enough. Burncliffe. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Burncliffe yeah. is right. 
Steve, we, we okay. Let's hear we about were, it. Um, we were we were um, set to do a show. We we were going to do our show from Burncliff uh, Resort Conference Center Golf Course. Um, and in those days, like we would go out there and play. I don't know what time we got there. Nine, ten o'clock. Whatever. We're going to play a round of golf and then do our show. And so um, it's just the two of us. I don't think we played with anyone else. And you know. We're, we're, you know, we're not necessarily focused on like, okay, let's plan the show. We're just talking. Um, and Mike says, I'm, I'm going this way. I remember it anyway. I hope it's relatively accurate. I'm going to Wisconsin. I'm going to green Bay. I think it was for, um, for a, a wedding, uh, my, a former girlfriend's wedding or something. Um, yep. and I, I was just like, okay, we're all set. Like, we're just going to talk about this all day and whether this is a good <laughs> idea. Um, and I don't remember, who, were you bringing who, Carolyn yeah. to that? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. That, was, yeah. that was the question, was whether right. I should want to take my girlfriend to my ex-girlfriend's wedding in Wisconsin. And I had already decided to do it. And there were the two things I remember were Rob Ray being on that day who you knew well, and I really didn't know that well. And like, Rob, what do you think? He's like, it's the worst idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then our, our boss, our station manager or program director at the time being like, okay, you know, that worked. Uh, you guys are fine. <laughs> it was sort of a, yeah. you right. know, it was yeah. accepted on a, on the work level too. Yeah. And like what, what, why I, why I think about that day is, and, and this is the part, like, I, you know, I, I don't want to uh, assume how you felt prior to that and then after that. But for me, with our relationship on the air, I felt like you took a wall down that day um, and mm -hmm. became more relatable to the audience in a way that I don't know that you were reluctant to. I don't know that maybe you just didn't know how to do it. All right. They saw a human side. Happened. Yeah, a human side of him. It, it just happened, and I, I just felt like it was it was an important day for us both to realize we can just talk about ourselves and make it work, you know? Because, like, the radio that I got hooked on, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Mike and the Mad Dog um, and, 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 you know, WFAN. Like, I love the I, – I didn't listen to, to Mike and Chris as often because of my work schedule. Right. Um, but I listen to Imus every day. And I never really cared about the Mets or the Yankees or the Giants or the Jets or what sports stuff. they were yep. talking about. It was the personalities and the stories and the humor that hooked me. And so I felt like in some small way, that day was our first step towards that. Um, because I think before that, we had a pretty a more traditional, structured these are the sports things we're going to talk about type of show. And after that, I think like the world kind of opened up. Yeah. And, and I totally Pro agree with you too. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Probably the summer of 2003 could have been spring of Oh four at the latest. I was going to say, you could ask that girl what her, her anniversary is. And then, you know, for sure, you always have the date, I guess, of when it clicked. Right. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> um, I, it, to go it, on, it, but, it, it was a it was a great time. Yeah. Okay. Can I just say that? Yes. It, it was a great, the wedding. The wedding. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing was a great time. Carolyn opened up. 
She loved it. We loved being together on the trip. My ex-girlfriend was fine. Her fiance and husband was fine. That was important. So um, we went to see the Brewers. We went. Oh, to, nice. We just had a great, great few days. <laughs> Rob was wrong. Rob was wrong. <laughs> I, could, I could hear him saying it, though. I could hear You know, that's why I laughed when you said yeah, that. Because yeah. you could just hear Rob Ray kind of warming up with that opinion and, and delivering it the only way hey, Rob Ray can. Rob, Rob is such a beauty. My wife and daughter went to a company skate at the arena last week, and they saw him. And I had a question for him, so I texted him, and he just came back with, uh, your daughter's a really great skater. Your wife needs work. <laughs> <laughs> you always get honesty from Rob, I think. Uh, you know, and it, it's interesting what you say about Imus too, Chris, because I've listened to Howard Stern probably every day for the last 30 years of my life. But for the last probably nine years, it's all catalog stuff. I don't listen to the show anymore. Some people think that's weird, but that's okay. When people ask me why I don't listen to the show anymore is because what it's lost for me isn't the strippers in the Sibian. It's the authenticity and the, you know, Artie or Jackie or Gary or whoever interacting with Howard just about their everyday lives. And now what the show is is something that's overproduced and different and whatever. But I see exactly what yeah. you mean. And even with uh, Mad Dog and and um, – and, and, and Francesa, what I loved about that show most was all the non-sports stuff, the talking about presidents or debating the Oscars or one of them saw a movie. Like, that's where you really saw, because I wasn't a Yankees fan or a Mets fan or any New York sports team fan, really. Um, so I totally relate to that. Let's talk about relationship, because that's really where you guys kind of went to it. And I know with pairs, people who listen desperately want to, there's an, there's an ideal relationship that people have in their mind and they want them for these pairs and it's happened over and over again, whether it's Golick and Greenberg or Mike and the mad dog or, um, you know, Howard Stern and Jackie or Howard Stern and Artie or many of the others I'm sure we could think of, um, Opie and Anthony, um, that there's sometimes is a certain relationship on the mic and there's a certain relationship on the mic. And I think that listeners think that the mics go off and you guys live, you guys are like neighbors, you know, you live next door to each other and you have family dinner. Both families are together at the table every night for dinner, you know, and, you know, I, there's just this idyllic, I think, impression of it. And some people are close to it on this end and some people are so far away from it on the other end. If I'm making sense, I hope I am. And you guys follow me. Which end do you think you're at? Where do you think you fall on that timeline of Opie and Anthony? These guys hated each other. They just shut the thing off every day and, and walked out to the other end of, you know, that I guess doesn't exist where the, the two families live next door. And, you, and you, where are you guys on that spectrum? <laughs> the middle? Definitely, I, I don't, I, the middle. <laughs> definitely, definitely closer to the neighbor side than the other side. Right. But we, but we don't, we don't socialize a, a ton. Um, and you know, some of that might be due to, um, our, you know, we're, we're just different enough in age. We, we both started our families later than like Mike is experiencing now, I think being at, uh, sports with his kids and the parents are all younger than him. Um, and my wife and I went through that as well. Um, but because of like our kids being 10 years or so right. older, yep. like we were going through the stuff that you go through when your kids are 10 and 12 and, you know, seven and five, it's just like running around constantly. And like the opportunity to get out was pretty, you know, it was, it was tough. And now, 
Mike and Carolyn are sort of in that boat. I'm, I mean, I don't do anything anymore. I have nothing to do. You're in the attic with the records. I, I yeah. don't do a hockey rink anymore. Um, uh, and, I, and I miss it. But um, we've just been on different like life schedules, I guess, uh, timeline wise. But yeah, the, the, I would not be able to function at all in a relationship that was uh, stale or or adversarial right. in but, real life yeah. and just get the job done because, you know, this is the job and it pays the mortgage and this is how, how I have to do it. I, I just would not, I would not be able to do that. I, it's just not in me. Um, it'd be too make believe. And I, I think one of the, one of the things that I appreciate so much about, um, having Mike as a partner all these years is that the show is, I think authentic, like it, it's real. Um, and, and there isn't a make believe camaraderie. Like it's, it's, it's real. Like we're friends. Um, and it, like, I, I'd say like the best, I, I mean, I, I love him. Right. Yeah. And people are going to well, be happy to hear that. <laughs> people are going to be really, you agree, Mike? <laughs> How do I, Mike, are you here to shatter dreams or are you going to go I, along with that? I, I've told you like for me, the, the one thing that I would a hundred percent say about myself too, is I could not do it. Like, you know, I, I want, I love radio and, and I want to, you know, immerse myself in it, I guess. But, um, you know, in a certain way, a lot of shows like ours, especially the ones that have gone big, you know, what you see on the national level, the point is the dispute, you know, and I, I can't watch it for a minute. So, uh, yeah, like not only on a friendship level, but in terms of the content, I would hate it if it weren't how we really felt. And I think it's obvious and it's been... It has to be to, to consider our success. It has to be obvious to listeners for many years that there's no other game that we're playing. Absolutely. You know what my dream for you guys was? Was uh, Chris, I'm kind of a sport or a music guy, you know, like you are. And I always wanted you to, to, to like convert Mike and make him the music guy that we are. You know what I mean? Like I, I had this dream of like walking into a hip show or something and, and bumping into you guys together and you're like dragging Mike in and then we walk out and I see you and like Mike's just like, I can't wait for the, is there a show tomorrow? Are they in Ontario somewhere? You know, like I was always waiting for you to, 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 to click the light bulb or something there. So that was always my, my thing as a, as a fan or a listener or whatever. Just uh, We've been to one, right? One concert together, Lucinda Williams at Town Ballroom, I, I think might be the only live yeah. show that we've been to together. Um, unless you count broadcasting outside the gates right. of that rained out hip show at the Outer Harbor with Grace Potter. Um, Ray, Ray LaMontagne at CMAC. C- oh, that's right. That's right. We we didn't go together, but we did meet up there. Yeah, that's right. There. right. Gotcha. right. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was my my silly dream for you guys. Um, <laughs> the show, you know, I think one thing that works about it is when I think of what do I think of Chris, what do I think of Mike, I think of some pretty different guys. You know, I think of uh, Mike as the kind of the stack guy, you know, numbers driven, heavy on analytics, into fantasy really hard. You know, Chris, I think of you as more the guy that, like, okay, so like maybe Chris, I, I feel, or Mike, I feel like I'd meet up with him at like, the computer lab to talk about sports and 
Chris, I kind of see you more as the guy that I'd meet up at the bar stool with, which is ironic since I met up with Mike at a bar stool to talk about sports. But um, <laughs> I, I think of you more as the guy I'd meet up just at the low. You're, you're, you're like the you know Buffalo guy with the beard and the you know you like to listen to the rock music and you you know your son plays hockey in the air. I don't know. I, I've always looked at you as two different guys, and I think that works when you come together and, and your strengths come out here and, and your strengths are here, and you complement each other and you work together that way. And then you get to and then I think you guys have been really smart about like the drafts. You know, you do these. You're drafting mustard and okay, and, and I'm sitting here totally buying in, thinking like I know Mike's gonna be the one with the mustard, and I know you know Chris is gonna be the one with the ketchup, you know. And then damn it, why did that guy I don't know as well producer pick relish? Because I thought that was gonna be for Mike. I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's 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 the melding together of you guys and and kind of figuring out who's who and and how you guys work together that I think is the beauty of the show. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, maybe Chris take it first about about your your divergent personalities and how they've come together and that's kind of been the secret sauce and what's kind of made it work for so long yeah i mean i i think there has to be some like i i don't think the show would work i don't think any show would work as well if you had two of the same personality um you know i i've done i've done radio shows with people that i would consider to be more like me and they're fun and easy to do, but I'm never sure if they're good. Um, so I think, you know, without having to ever, like, do the, okay, well, I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers is an egomaniac. And, okay, and I'm going <laughs> to. Right. Not having to. The first to, take to, kind to of stuff. The fake arguments. For yeah. That, yeah. Like, like Mike already referenced, like, the you know, the, yep. the sort of argument show terrible um just yeah. for the sake of arguing um i think you do have to have in order for it to work even if you're not gonna you know pose these phony arguments and yell at each other i think it's important to have a different point of view a different approach um even if you end up agreeing on a lot of the subject matter you're talking about i think coming at it from a, a different place like if like the way you're describing us, like I'm more emotional and Mike is more analytical. Right. Like I think that's important mm-hmm. to the success of the show. Agreed, Mike. I do too, and I think it might be more perception than reality. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of like, I'll get once in a while, I'll get somebody negative toward me. Go back to Rochester or something. That used to happen all the time. I'm from here. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I, I live on Grand Island, and there are people who, who sort of condescend to Grand Island, or maybe that's not the word, but like that's not Buffalo. Yeah, and I those bridges. It's the bridges. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. But, but I've always agreed with that in a way. Like my sort of headspace or whatever, what is the word I want here? Right. Where, where I imagine myself, where I, where I see myself being and living is on the water. Like that's how I grew up and that's where I live. And when we went anywhere as a family growing up, it was always North. It was always to the falls for shopping or for a movie. Um, the only time I ever went to Buffalo was my uncle and aunt on Thanksgiving. My, my dad would go to buy gold and I'd ride with him sometimes or to see the Sabres. Like those were the only times I was ever in Buffalo. So I, don't even want to fight it really when it comes to like, whether whether I'm an outsider, (laughs) I I am to a point. Anyway, the point originally was like, 
analytics versus emotions and these things. We are different in this way, but like Bulldog has always, you know, listened to the argument about the numbers and even sort of gone with it. You know, he'll, he'll be open-minded and, you know, all right, convince me like you'd want somebody in any situation to do. And so I don't know who's out there analyzing us, but if you were to, you might think of him. Yeah, sorry about a, that. <laughs> without, you might not give him that credit. Sure. And, you know, for me, I guess I need somebody who's going to listen to the point, even if it's totally based on stats. You know, this was Ristolainen uh, for a long time. Sure. And it wasn't, it wasn't from the very beginning because the guy had to play for a year or two. Like, wait a minute. And it just lined up with when those numbers started to proliferate and become more mainstream. Like, wait a minute, this guy's actually terrible. And so <laughs> as time, as time went on, I feel like that maybe came undeniable. Yeah. Um, he's the, he's the name for that, for sure. That's the name, right? That he, you, you go to for that. He is. Sure. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, just to add on, I mean, I think like in a certain way, like, you know, Mike, Mike referenced already the, you know, the, the, the popular shows, the national shows, right? The, 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 you know, I'm in this corner, you're in that corner. Like, I, I think in a certain way, um, I, if I had stayed on, like, I don't care about the numbers, like, if I'd been that guy, um, like we, we maybe would have had more entertaining arguments and um, like, I, I, I don't know that the, the show would have broken through to some other level or anything. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're doing a radio show in Buffalo, right. um, yep. but um, I, that's, that's where being allowed to be true to myself is, uh, it, it is so valuable. Like I, I wouldn't want to have, like if some boss would have come to me and said like, you have to stop respecting the math because we need you to be the guy that wants the bills to run the ball more. And we want you to be because of, because of how Mike is, I mean, that, that, that would have been catastrophic. Yeah. Like emotionally. Authentic word again. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been lying. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I have to pretend that I'm stupid and I can't learn something like, or, or, or like try to improve my knowledge base. Like, um, and you know, I, I'll bet there are people in these kinds of jobs that either chose to do that or felt they had no choice, but to do that. And I feel very lucky that I'd never had to. Let me ask you guys this. Cause I think you're very uniquely qualified to, to answer it. I'm a, you know, diehard Sabres fan through and through, but I'm not a bills fan. Never been a bills fan. I've been a saints fan since I was seven years old. The Saints are my number one team. I care about them more than just about anything. Um, and so so I, I wonder this sometimes, but you guys, so it's tough for me to answer, but you guys would be very qualified. Is there a difference in the attitude of the city in general, the, the tone that you get on the calls, the, the way that fans are, the way this city acts when the Bills are good and the Sabres are bad versus when the Sabres are the good team and the bills are the bad team. We've kind of had them on separate schedules here. Maybe we're getting to a point soon where they're both going to be really good. I'm hoping anyway, uh, certainly as a Sabres fan, I'm hoping that the Sabres could have a team like the bills do right now, but is there a difference in the city? Is there a difference in the show? Mike, do you get a feeling for how things are? Do you know, 
could could you just look at listen to the calls for an hour and without knowing anything else know like okay the bills are good now or the sabers are good now or they're both good or whatever i used to think so and i used to think about this quite often and even talk about it um because i think it comes down to money and there'd be a lot with the sabers and much of it was deserved but how the a, sort of a constant narrative over the years with them is a, a, a refusal to spend money. Right. Like and so walk, Sabres... Bear, bear walk, that kind of a thing. Yep, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I, in short, I, I used to think that, and it might still be true, but I'll tell you in a second why I, I don't know, that the Sabres would, get a, would be held to a much higher standard than, than the Bills. Um, and money would sometimes be at the root of that. Um, it's not that the bills wouldn't be criticized, but the Sabres were, I thought, held to a maybe a too tough of a standard over the years. In the last four or five years, I haven't maybe thought about that at all. It's be, and, and that's probably because it's just gone such to extremes with the two franchises. Mm-hmm. Like, good luck to anybody criticizing the bills for anything right now <laughs> right. In, in, in the media. And most media accounts to my eyes are fan accounts now you know they're they, they call alan by his first name everything is just like oh can you believe this other person said something like it's just their fan accounts which is fine i mean it when when the sabers rose in 06 and 07 i think probably i would look if i were to look back like the saber things would be that way we had a thing where i i had lucky pants and we had channel four in to interview me about lucky pants like you know so it has happened the other way too, uh, but the Bills being so good, and they deserve their all the credit they get for what they've built, and the Sabers com- being completely the opposite. Like now, or not so much this year, but before this year, who wanted to give the Sabers a compliment for anything? Right, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the build of the roster, the arena, anything. So that took the basically the crux of your question off the table. I think in recent years, and maybe I'll be around long enough to see what happens if it turns back and, you know, the bills sort of come back down to earth and the Sabres get good. And, um, then I'll have a, a new thought on this, but now it's just like, (laughs) what has there been to say positively about the Sabres or negatively about the bills? Sort of the, the question becomes, you know, not applicable. And the most interesting thing is they're owned by the same people, which is wild too. Uh, Chris, anything to add on that? Um, I, I I think the 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 noise around football, um, there's so much of it, um, because it's I mean it's just, there's just there's just, there's just more of everything, right? There's more fan accounts. There's there's more fans. There's more media. There's just more of everything. And it's national in scope too. Right. Um, whereas with hockey, like in a certain way, I feel like, um, people who want to be critical of hockey, even in the best of times, um, are going to have an easier time being heard because there's just let there's less volume. Um, uh, so like the, the, the hockey people in a way, even though, there are fewer of them and they aren't followed as much. Um, I, I, I sort of feel like the, 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 the hockey fan base, um, every point 
gets more air within the fan base. Like it's easier to ignore stuff with football because there's so much of it. Whereas with hockey, you, you, you don't have as much, so you might be more inclined to take all of it in. And of course, all of it's not good. Um, whether it's fans or media, um, you know, there's a lot of crazy opinions out there. And I feel like within hockey, it's easier for those to get illuminated than it is in football. If that makes any sense. It does. You know, it's interesting because as a Buffalonian, I care. I mean, I care very much about Buffalo. Like when I'm gone for a few days, I, I get anxious a little bit. You know, when I'm flying in and I look out the window and I see like Transit Road or whatever, you know, there's like a certain <laughs> feeling. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm home. So I care about being here very much. I love it here. And one thing I've always thought about, it's interesting because the, the Bills have had, had the playoff drought, like the Sabres have the playoff drought, drought now. But the city's had a drought, right? The championship drought. And I know the Bandits have won a couple. But in terms of the the NHL and and the and the the NFL and the NHL, the two big sports here that we have, the two of the big four nationally, is there a team? Because there's two moments in my life that I think of. I think of my mom and I went to the rally that the Bills had after they lost Super Bowl twenty five. Like I can remember standing there and everyone cheering for Scott Norwood and trying to like, you know, support him. And then I also think about the walking out of the arena after Danny Briere's goal in overtime to send the Sabres to back to Carolina for game seven. And like never in my life did I think the Sabres were going to win the Stanley cup more than I did that day. And just remembering the noise and, 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 and just getting out of the arena that night and walking to my car was like such a cathartic experience that I'll never forget. And my friend, Josh, who, who I went to the game with, we, we talk about it all the time. So I wonder like, is there a team that you would rather see break the drought, either of you, or for either of you, is it just, man, I just hope one of the team wins a championship. I know, I mean, just for me, because I'm a Sabres fan, I, I will, you know, I've always dreamt it would be the Sabres, the one to save the city and bring the Stanley Cup to City Hall and for, you know, two million people somehow in a city that doesn't have that many people to be standing out there and having this, like, epic parade that is like Chicago's in 2016 when the Cubs won. You know, John Madden was on the show talking about – or John Madden. I, you do not know how hard it was for me when I had Joe Madden on to just say to myself, don't say John Madden, don't say John Madden. Uh, but the, the the Cubs manager was on the show and, and he talked about like this picture of him where the shots from behind and he sees everyone in Grant Park and like what a moment that was. I'm being a little too poetic and I think I've made the point. So I'm going to switch to pass it to you guys. But is there a team that, that either of you personally want to break the drought more or is there one that you guys just have thought about and think it would be better if it was this team or better if that or maybe just it doesn't matter. Someone wins a championship. It's going nuts here. What do you guys think? Chris? Um, you want to go first or you want me to go? Go ahead, Chris. I, I guess I would. Oh, Mike. Okay. I guess I would say, like, I guess I would say, you know, for most of my life, I would have said the Sabres just because of my own personal interest, not because of, you know, any sort of greater meaning. I think the Bills thing right now is so, they're so close and, the the emotion in the air right now about these guys with the losses the last two years, Demar Hamlin, the opportunity they have this these next few weeks. I, I just there is going to be a, a serious reaction either way. Of course, if they win, uh, the roof will blow off, and so many the, the proverbial demons and everything like. The, the Sabres have never won either, but it's the Super Bowl losses, the four in a row that are like 
the the nut the nuts of Buffalo's forever drought. Right, and if we get made and, fun of, it's that right. Like if someone from out of town wants to make yeah. fun of us, that's what they go to. Well, I mean, it's that's right. So yeah. that would much much more, you know, dramatically affect that and sort of almost erase that. And, you know, again, Hamlin and Allen and McDermott and everything that has happened, the blizzard, everything, like, I would never want to say any other answer to your question right now than them. It's not just the, the answer isn't just bills. It's like this bills. Sure. <laughs> this, fair. this is the team to do it. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. You agree with that, Chris? Yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 um, I'm gl- I'm glad you went first. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, we, well, because we have we have similar like there's, there's a lot of similarities in in how I w- want to respond. Um, I you know, I I love I love hockey. I, I've always loved hockey, and I I, I love uh, the sport itself more than I love the sport of football. Like you know, aesthetically, same, you know, same, uh, yeah, participation wise, uh, all of it, right. Um, you know, I just, you know, that was my, that was my path as a kid. Like I played youth hockey. I didn't play youth football. Uh, other kids in my neighborhood did, and they probably feel the same way about football that I feel about hockey because of it. You know, um, I'm thinking of Sal Capaccio who played in high school and then coached in right, Florida, you, know, right? yeah. you know, and like that he feels about football the way I feel about hockey, I think. Um, so I, I also would, would have for up until maybe the last couple of years, um, and you know, this might seem a little, um, you know, a little easy and convenient because, you know, the bills are obviously much closer to winning right. anything right. Uh, than the Sabres in the last few years. Um, and like, I would have told you, you know, and I still feel like the, the, the ride of an NHL playoff spring that goes like, you know, the Sabres did in 98 when they made the conference finals, um, in the 99, they made, of course the cup final. And then in you know oh six and oh seven both years, like the every other day it goes ideally for two months. I mean, it is just there's such a pulse to it, you know, like game night, day off, game night, like yes. I, I, the rhythm. I, I I just love that. Um, whereas football is all pointed towards you know seven days from now, and then six by, and then here oh there's the game, and then yeah. uh, here comes the next one. Um, even in the playoffs, but it's, you know, it's a month of playoffs, not two months. Um, and it's not every other day where you've got a game and something else to sink your teeth into. But with all that said, um, what I think has come across to me in a way that um, I don't think I knew, I, I think the Bills needed to get good for us to ever find out um, just how much this team means to people. <laughs> like, it's powerful. Sure. Uh, it's fair. And I respect it. I, so, um, for sheer volume alone, uh, for that emotional attachment, I, 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 I'd say Bills. Yeah. My, my team won a Super Bowl in 2010, 2009 season. They won in February 7, 2010. And, um, you know, I wasn't from New Orleans, but, you know, being such a big fan of the team, I, I felt like an, I went through Katrina and things like that in a different way. And I'd been through it all with the Saints. As I mean, I, I'm not one of these people who became a fan when Drew, Drew Brees became quarterback. I mean, I was at Rich Stadium with John Forcade 
beat the bills in the snowstorm, getting hit by snowballs from my dad and his friends. Me uh, too. You know what I mean? I was there that day <laughs> cheering for the Saints. Like I, I was nine years old then, so I've been a long time. And, and what I remember about it the most that day is I had had surgery a couple weeks before, so I was watching at home, and I remember what Tracy Porter intercepting Manning, and my brother Greg was kind of assigned to being next to me to make sure I didn't like rip out any stitches or something crazy. Um, and, uh, I remember kind of looking around the room and just seeing everyone I care about, you know, like in Saints shirts and like, they're not Saints fans, but they're just there for me. And, and I got to rally the next few weeks and try to wait, try to find a way to be there for them. And I know that in my head, but it's difficult, um, because it's difficult to be, it's easier to be the guy I'm trying to sell this to them. It's easier to be the person who lives in the city and likes the team in the city and is just being supportive about a team that doesn't even matter to their team, you know, they're in another league, another, con- you know, just whatever, than to live in the city and to go to the games in the city and be treated the way you can sometimes be treated in the stadium um, when you're there for another fan. So it's more difficult to be me, but I'm trying to rally for them. I, you know, if they win, great. Um, if they don't, you know, I'll console my mom and my brothers and tell them, well, you're still good. Josh <laughs> Allen's still young. You know, maybe next year kind of a thing. But, it, it you know, it's a, it's a weird position um, because I very much would want the Sabres to be the one to do it. I'm sorry. I thought one of you guys were about to say something. <laughs> I'll cut that. Um, uh, all right. Well, I'm getting about to the end. Oh, one thing I have to do, though. Do you guys have any questions for me? That's important. I learned that from Mike. Do you guys have any questions for me? Uh, <laughs> who, what, what, what do you have um... – like I, I, I hate when people ask me this question, so I, I want to be careful how I phrase it. Um, are, are you musically? Are you? Because I'm the reason I hate it is because I'm, I just, I'm all, I'm all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, there's not, like a, you know, uh, oh, I like this kind of music. Like I, yeah. I don't know. Um, what's your, what's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I, I am a 1950 to present rock and roll fan. I'm a rock and roll guy through and through. I love all kinds of rock music. You know, Chris Russo has a great quote where he's like, every kid in America needs to have a ball team and a rock and roll band, you know, and I'm like, that kid, the Saints are my ball team and Pearl Jam's my rock and roll band. I've been to 86 shows. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm just kind of like uh, Eddie Trunk talks about this a lot, who's a big a hard rock and heavy metal guy. Just like there's something about this genre of music. That doesn't mean I, I can't look back on my life and think about the times being nostalgic, listen to my daughter, listen to Cindy Lauper with my daughter or something like there's some pop music that can interest me. There's some jazz music I've been interested in. You know, the bands that I loved have turned me on to music and other genres, but really at my core, at my heart, I'm a, I'm a rock and roll guy, you know, and you know, Pearl Jam first and, and Pearl Jam yeah. first because I, you know, I grew up with my dad in the car and listening to the, t- the, the, the rush tapes uh-huh. and the bad company tapes. And Pearl Jam was the first band that was mine. You know what I mean? That was my band. I brought yep. that tape in the car. You know, that was the first time that I had one, <laughs> you know, yep. that, you know, so that's kind of how that started for me and why it became so personal for me. And then it's just become the soundtrack of my life, really. You know, people who know me, they know two things about me. I like the Saints and I like Pearl Jam. So what about you, Mike? Do you have any questions for me? <laughs> Since this is your gimmick, well, I'd be disappointed if you didn't have one. Uh, I guess I want to ask what position Taysom Hill should count as in <laughs> fantasy. Because yeah. <laughs> for for two years in a row, he's been quote tight end. Yeah, he should be a running this back. This year, he, this year he he should be a running back. I yes. agree. This yeah. year he played exactly zero snaps in the entire season as an inline tight end. Yet 
you know, I'm playing in these, these big tournaments and that's a point and a half per catch. And yep. Taysom Hill, I guess you need Taysom Hill. He had 11 so, touchdowns uh, this year. Yeah, if you could predict when they're going to be. 11 touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he threw, is that passing in? I think it's total. I think it's through? total. I think it's total. Yeah. Yeah, like I think he had one or, one or two passing, maybe one receiving, and then a bunch rushing. Um, but yeah, he had. It. I like how I like how your question choice just turned into a soliloquy about the inequity of Taysom <laughs> Hill's assignment in fantasy football. I, I'm doing a yeah. this podcast. I can't escape fantasy football. With Mike. <laughs> it always does. Did you I have... may or may not have drafted. I may or may not have drafted two teams while we've been talking. <laughs> did, did you have a good season, Mike? Pretty good. It's yeah. not over yet uh, with the playoff stuff. We got to look at a couple of wins, but. Um, I really enjoy thinking about it, working on it, talking about it, like everything, the people I've met, the trips I've taken. Um, I'm not looking to make millions. It'd be, it'd be nice. I'm not looking for life changing money. I'm looking to sort of win win enough to be able to justify doing it. Sure. And so, um, which is that that's happened. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, you know, in the space. We uh we my, my brother and I played in a high the high stakes quote unquote for me the the most I ever spent on a league well actually my brother spent the money on the league and then I did all the work and we got to the final and then the final actually ended up kind of just being a wash and we split it because of what happened with the Bills game and that but um yep. you know the the most I was ever in and invested in a league because it was so much money for me so much money and uh, well for my brother since he put up the money. But uh, we did well. Taysom Hill, by the way, seven rushing touchdowns, two receiving, and two throwing, eleven total. Um, he is at, wow. he should absolutely be a running back. He lines up in the backfield the most amount of times, and he runs right. most of the time when he gets the ball. He's he's essentially a wildcat player for us, and he's very important to the team. And look at I'm not gonna. This is a tough day as a Saints fan for two reasons. One. Uh, Pete, Mar- Pete Carmichael's coming back next year. Dennis Allen, you know, that was announced yesterday. Dennis Allen's coming back. It's like we had this dreadful season. One of my most hated Saints teams of all time. They were totally joyless. I hated virtually everything oh. about them. I sat there when we lost the, the Tampa Bay game. The second we made it 16-3, to I knew we were losing 17-16. And I just sat there just saying, okay, yep, nope, this is how they get to 10, yep, and now we're going to do that. And I just, you know, had it completely right. I hated them. I can't believe they didn't change anything. Like I can't believe it. And and then they might Mickey Loomis might get bailed out by Sean Payton, by the Sean Payton trade. We'll see. But they really set right. themselves up in a bad spot if that doesn't happen. Um, and also today's the four year anniversary. And this is what I hope doesn't happen to the Bills because I can live with the Minnesota miracle, even though I because of Diggs being a Bill, I've had to see it way more than I ever would have dreamed. I had to. Um, but. Um, I can live with that because we got beat. Marcus Williams missed a tackle, made a bad play, and we got beat. There's nothing worse than what happened to us in the NFC Championship game four years ago today. Um, That game was stolen from us. Sean Payton said to the referee on the field, that's a legacy-changing mistake, and he was right because we never made it that far again. And Drew Brees and Sean Payton's legacy will forever be changed. You guys seen how bad that and beatable Mm -hmm. that, that New England team was that year. You know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have a chance to finish their career with two Super Bowls, one against Peyton Manning and one against Brady and Belichick. But they didn't give that opportunity because of the worst missed call of all time. And you guys don't care about this, and nobody does. And everyone who listens to this show is sick of me talking about it. But it's just the wrong day, okay? It's just the wrong day to, for me to be in front of a microphone. Um, but this was awesome. I appreciate this. I hope I did you guys justice because as someone who just lives in the city 
and and someone who um, who lives in the city and, and, and grew up here and has been a sports media fan and a sports radio fan. You know, someone who who used to call Art Wander when I was like six years old and would record it and think it was like a once in a lifetime opportunity to be on the radio talking to Art Wander um, <laughs> and kind of wanting to blow it by saying what's up to him, but not wanting to ruin the chance for the joke. So not saying what's up. Like, this is where I come from. This show means something to me, the show and the Bulldog show. It's the show for the majority of my life in the city where I live. And I appreciate you guys and everything you've done for Buffalo sports and the area. It's an honor for me to have you on this show that, I mean, it's a show that only exists because I say it does. Um, but I've said it exists for 12 years and Sports <laughs> Illustrated wrote about it. So I feel like that means a little bit now. But um, I just appreciate you guys coming here and doing this. And I appreciate you guys. So thank you so much. For everything. Any last words either you guys want to throw out? I'm sure you're just like, no, I just want to get off the call and get on with my life. But is there anything else you guys, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, want, to, you guys uh, want to say? Yeah, I haven't had my afternoon nap yet. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I've got enough time before the show. Right. Uh, <laughs> to make it happen. Um, you're, you're, you're very gracious. See, thank you. Um, yeah, thank uh, you. I really guys. appreciate all the kind words. And um, um, congratulations to you on, on keeping this thing going and um having it get the traction it's gotten uh you should be proud of it i appreciate that anything from you mike yeah we, we gotta do beers again i'll soon. just say maybe chris can join us i'll just say that because i don't want to seem rude i was kidding about drafting during the call but <laughs> I, I did i did do, i did do two drafts before we started okay fair <laughs> enough i i uh i crushed it by the way in my nfl.com fantasy week one but i'm worried i may have lost too many vikings Cause it's like a, a multiplier thing, but I mean, I beat everyone by a mile yeah. the first week, but I lost three guys. So I don't know if that's going to be too many. You do any of those leagues, those NFL.com playoff ones. I do them on FFPC. Yeah. Um, definitely. And go Evan Engram. Yes. Yeah. What a, what a rebound he had. Look, we gotta let, we gotta get, let uh, bulldog get to nap. I know. I understand. I, as a guy who loves naps, <laughs> I understand the afternoon nap. And if we start going on about, I mean, it could be another 10 minutes and 10 minutes can be vital in a nap. So I'm going to end it. Thanks so much guys. I appreciate you. Yeah. Good, you. good thing. Don't, don't start talking about McCready's guitar tone. We'll be here until. Oh, so you go. That. That's another way to get me going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. Could have used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high I want to thank Mike Shope and Christopher Parker, Shopin' the Bulldog, for being on the podcast today. I very much enjoyed that. That was awesome. Thanks to the boys for being on. All right, book club. The book club is one of the most important things I do, and it's not because I just really love reading. I don't, but I do. The reason the book club is so important is because people who write books go places to promote it that they would never go otherwise. And this show is that, right? So Artie Lang would have never come on this show if he wasn't promoting a book. Frank DeFord would have never come on this show if he wasn't promoting a book. And also, people write pretty awesome books, and I learn about them. 
and I invite them on, you know, it works the other way as well. Like, I don't know if I would have ever had on some of the people that I did, some of the people that I've met, if they wouldn't have wrote a book about whatever they wrote a book about. And um, so because of that, the book club is important and the book club is back and the book club starts off with one book this year so far. And the first book of the year is The Science of Hockey, The Math, Technology, and Data Behind the Sport. It's by an author named Kevin Snow who lives in Buffalo. He's from Canada, though, according to his bio. Uh, And the description of the book is whether you're a casual hockey observer or a passionate fan who who can't get enough of the game, there's something for everyone in the science of hockey. Kevin Snow spoke with former players, coaches, numerous industry experts, and media analysts to discover how science, data, and technology have impacted the sport over the years. Learn more about the nuances of skating stride, how a puck is manufactured, the optimal temperature for making ice, and what exactly it is that makes some of the greatest players in the world so special. Even take a look to the future to find out how virtual reality can play a part in player training methods. Just when you thought it, you knew it all, along comes the science of hockey to share even more knowledge about the coolest game on earth. It was released January 3rd, 224 pages by Sports Publishing. And uh, Kevin will join us. I spoke with the publishers. They have uh, books, plural, coming, so I should have some to give away. Uh, and once I have a chance to read it, Kevin will be on to discuss it. The Science of Hockey gets us started this year on the book club. I also, I don't know if this is a long shot or not. It probably is. Uh, but I reached out to the publishing company um, who published a book uh, by a guy named Matt Dennison who wrote a book about my favorite author when I was a kid, Roald Dahl, who's the author of Matilda, The Witches, BFG, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, some of the greatest children's book of all time. I read the books when I was a kid. I read them with Paula now. And apparently he's kind of canceled by some people, uh, maybe some anti-Semitism in his past, some other things that don't play in 2023. You know, it's a society of perfect people now. Um, who love to go back to when people weren't perfect, which is for them is yesterday, and pick their lives apart. I don't know if that's what this book is or not, but I'm excited to read it. And I'm going to read it either way, but I'm going to see if we can't track Matt down and talk about that. That's one thing about the book club, if you're new to the show, is that it's not just sports books. We've done books on Goodfellas. We've done books on The Office. We've done books on The Sopranos. We've done books. Oh, and you know what? That's a really good example, too. Uh, Difficult Men is a book that we featured by Brett Martin a bunch of years ago. And I would have never met or talked to Brett if not for that. And he's become a friend. Um, He doesn't love to come on, unfortunately. He doesn't think he has anything to say, which he's wrong about. Uh, But he's really great. And and his book about the anti-hero on television is one that we covered here that is a good example of what I was saying earlier, you know, where the book, I went to the book and then found this great person for the show and for my personal life as well. So working on that, we'll see how that goes with Dennison, if that happens or not. But his book about Roald Dahl probably is worth checking out. I already, I grabbed a copy. Um, I uh, know some sites where I like to go to get eBooks for free. And um, this one was on there. It's called, it is called 
Teller of the Unexpected by Matthew Dennison. So, well, that'd be fun. We'll see if we can work it out. Hopefully we can. And if we can't, well, I guess we can't. Uh, But certainly I will try uh, to book that. I don't think we're getting Stephen A. Smith, uh, who's got the sports book right now. Uh, I don't think he's coming on. To be honest, I didn't try. (laughs) Uh, I knew he wasn't coming on, so... And wasn't that interested, to be honest. But uh, let me know. If there's any sports books that you like and you'd like me to cover, the sportscasters at gmail.com, email me, and we can see if we can set it up. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the legends of hockey broadcasting, the great Pete Weber. Our next guest today has called hockey games professionally for the Los Angeles Kings, the Buffalo Sabres, and now the Nashville Predators. He's one of the greatest living hockey broadcasters in the world today, and he's nice enough to join us for the fourth time on the show. A warm sportscaster's welcome to the great Pete Weber. Hey, Mr. Weber, how you doing today? Welcome back to the Sportscasters Podcast. Doing outstanding, and thank you so much for the invitation for this appointment today. Love to have you. I was telling you off air, you scared us a little bit there. And we're just glad you're back in the booth doing what you do. Everything okay? Well, to tell you the truth, I yeah. scared myself a little bit, too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet you did. Is everything okay? You're, you're good? You're on your way to uh, to recovery here. I, I assume you're on the mend. Yes. Now I've what? I've got five post, uh, post-surgery broadcasts under my belt already. So, if, Do you know how many lives you have left? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not sure, but if I were a cat, I probably still have about seven. Okay, good. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm joking because I uh, also have cheated, cheated the guy a couple times. You know myself. Yeah. With some of them, I about one year ago this time, I was septic for a few days and um, had to fight it off. But you know, it's just good to have you back in the booth and uh, calling hockey and. Um, I said, you know, I just got to get him back on and really soon because it, it's been too long. Sometimes things happen. You you read something, you're like it, it crystallizes you, you know, puts you in a space where I was like, I got to get Mr. Weber back. So it's good to have you. Let's start with this. How 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 are the Preds this year? 52 points, um, yep. 23, 18, and 6. Uh, what do you see? It's, it's a team that's been regenerating, I think, a little bit the last couple of years. What is it? How does it seem like the plan is evolving and, and maturing? And, and what do you think about the team this year? Well, there are a lot of youngsters who are really pushing the uh, veterans. And uh, there have been a high number of one goal games, basically two ones, as last night's was. And uh, I like seeing what the youngsters get the oldsters, if you will, to do. And uh, that's been fun. Uh, but it's going to be a difficult ride to make it into the cup playoffs. Uh, they have they had a big win uh, over the Winnipeg Jets last night. They've had some similar big wins. But it seems like all of them have come like 2-1 or maybe even 3-2 on a big offensive night. And this is a club that does have some offensive talent in Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, etc. 
Yeah, I mean, 23 and 18, 23, 18 and 6, that's basically 23 and 24, you know, essentially mm-hmm. 500, and they're minus six goal differential. It's pretty close to zero. You know, I mean, they very much seem like a team that, you know, is right about even in a way, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that can, can go either way. And, um, you know, they, they were similar spots to the Sabres in terms of standings. You know yes. what I mean? Um, Sabres did a good job on them here. That was my first game back. Yeah, which I thought was so poetic, too. You know what I mean? Just that <laughs> year. You, so part of your past was there to be a part of it with you, I thought was so cool. You know, just that Buffalo. It was almost like Buffalo was there with you that night, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. So I, I thought of that for sure. So it's an interesting progression for for the Preds. We know the guys like Forsberg and... Uh, some of the other veterans that you mentioned. Who are some of the young guys we might not know as much that you guys are excited about up there? Well, the guy who's had a down year after an outstanding rookie year, but scored the game winner last night, Tanner, as you know. He has had, I don't know if there is a true dictionary definition of snake bit, but I think if so, <laughs> his picture probably would be in the entry, uh, in the dictionary for that. He uh, He works hard as can be. He stands up for his teammates. He's one of those guys I think you'd almost consider, and I don't want to do it this this early in his career, but a Lindy Ruff type of player. Mm. I'm not going to talk about a coach. We're going to see a Lindy Ruff type of coach here tomorrow night. But uh, that's the sort of thing that uh, he has done for this team, and uh, nobody really wants to take advantage of him. I know exactly what you mean when you when you say a Lindy Ruff kind of player. You know what I mean? We yeah. You know anyone who's been watching hockey for long, especially in this area where I'm from, knows what that what that player is. So that's 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 really interesting. Um, I'm excited about the way the league is always sort of turning over in a sense. You know, like mm-hmm. I think back to that team North America. You know, in the yeah, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was such a fun team, and now those guys are would be at, would, would, if we had another tournament like that this year, they'd be with their countries, right? But I feel like we could still have a really great team, America. We we put a yes. the, the whole group of you know under twenty threes that we have in the league now together, and you know still have an awesome fun team. And you know instead of having McDavid, we would have Bedard next year or whatever. We would have and Austin Matthews, yeah, Austin, and, uh, and so yeah. on. Yeah, so I think that that's a really fun. Part of the team, it's very cyclical, and I think Nashville and Buffalo, and unfortunately Buffalo has been on the wrong side of this cycle for too long, but you see that where, you know, teams peak, they get to the top, they make the run, the window closes, they go down, they regenerate, they bring, they build up, they come back. Uh, what You know, I'm interested to see from you, what did you think of what happened in Vancouver? Um, have you ever well, seen something it, like that one. in the league? Like, have, can you remember something so just even similar to that? It's so weird to me that what happened I there. I cannot. Yeah. I think it's a classic case of what goes around does come around because I think what people of uh, research has turned out for them that the uh, first goal that was or the first goal allowed in the NHL by Jim Rutherford was scored. <laughs> yeah, I did see that by Gabby. <laughs> yeah, and, I saw that. And you know that's <laughs> strange, strange, strange. And then the best thing was the tweet I saw yesterday from the Hanson brothers with a nice picture of Gabby from the movie Slapshot, saying, well, you always have room for you on our team. And uh, that's just perfect. Just perfect. I, a lot of people have come out standing up for, for Gabby after all this. 
Nashville's, I think, one of those real success stories for Gary Bettman. You know what I mean? When we look back at yeah. his career and we say, you know, what what was what was the bad? And I can think of a really good uh, one for that. <clears throat> um, yeah. But, but when I, if we want to focus on the good, we can think of Nashville. Tell me a little bit about how the game's growing up there um, and, and, and how, how the market is um, and, and how it's progressed even in the era that you've been there, what you see. Uh, in terms of hockey and Nashville and its relationship with the city? Well, what we have going here, and number one is a city that by itself is growing exponentially. Sure. Hockey hockey participation is in that same boat. The Predators now, along with uh, Ford, have uh, put up two Ford Ice Centers, so that gives us four more pads of ice on which the game can be played. There's another one going up for the Austin P University in Clarksville, and several others around the Middle Tennessee area. So now what we have, and I constantly run into this, is people that have moved here from elsewhere, brought the spirit of the game with them, and their participation in the game too. I think we had 300 registered minor hockey players when the team started in 98, and now it's well over 4,000. Wow. We have a high participation level for adult hockey. Uh, There are more guys... I think right now, probably populating orthopedic surgeons' offices now after little injuries picked up uh, <laughs> right. while playing senior hockey. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's probably some knee replacements, some hip replacements right. coming up. And I don't think any sport has been better for the growth of the number of hip replacements than hockey. I mean, my longtime broadcast partner here, Terry Crisp, has had a knee replaced, a hip replaced. I remember Donnie Luce had to have both his hips done in like back to back summers. Uh, so it does take a, you do twist around a little bit. Your lower body really is used greatly. And, uh, here in middle Tennessee, there are a lot of them going in for repair right now, trying to see if they can get that American home security, uh, rating. (laughs) The, uh, it's interesting too, because Nashville has become the place where, you know, if someone's getting married, they go for their bachelor party or they go for their, Yes. Yeah, you know, maybe because it's a little closer than Vegas on the east here, whatever. It just seems like it's it's become that city, and it also seems like it's become a destination location for sports. You know, I remember the, just being in Buffalo, like the Bills have been there uh, well, the yep. last couple times. The Bills have been there, and twenty thousand Bills fans at the game, and so on. Have you have you started to see that for hockey? Is is it becoming a destination rink for road fans? Do you feel like particularly more, yeah for Western for, for Western Canada fans? Okay, uh, interesting. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton people, when their teams come to town, they come to town along with them. They absolutely love it here, and I think that goes back to the playoffs of 2011 when the Predators were playing Vancouver, and the Vancouver media, uh, in quotation marks, discovered Nashville, and I think that's really helped spread it. That's cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's really cool, though. So the Canucks fans come in and show out, huh? When they yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. Interesting. I think it's cheaper for Calgary fans to pay for airfare and come here and buy their tickets than it is in their home city. Yeah, what was that's the World Series last year. Uh, the uh, oh, the NLCS. Remember the guy? Yeah, went to Houston because it was cheaper to see the game in Houston than to uh, go to Philadelphia. And then I think the Phillies. Um, paid for them to uh, to see a game there, so that was a nice gesture of them. But yeah, well, we're a highly mobile society now, and we see yeah. things online, we jump on them. Yeah, yeah, not afraid to just pack up and do that. The way you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting. The um, I was thinking about this too, and I was thinking about you and having you on 
things I wanted to ask you. Growth of the game in Nashville certainly won. But I had this last year. I was sick the first eight months of the year. And I didn't mm-hmm. get to, I didn't get to do the show. And I was thinking about oh man. I didn't do the, you know. I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I came back that I didn't do before. That happened yes. that happened to you when you were when you stepped away for a few weeks, you're getting healthy, were you thinking about Man, did you reorganize some goals? You know, like, man, I, I still really want to do this. Still really need to do that. Or maybe vice versa, you say, man, I'm so glad I got to do that. I got to do this. What a blessing yeah, there, it was. There, a little bit of both. There's that too. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking about my time uh, with the LA Kings and with the Sabres and uh, looking back on those memories and not trying to dwell on them, but uh, just enjoying them, truly. And this has been the comeback I think I might have almost completed it yesterday. Yesterday was the day I threw away my cane, and I was able to walk well independently awesome. for the first time. And that, <laughs> you talk about feeling great. Yeah. That, that is the definition of that for me. Sure. Good for you. The, uh, you know, you mentioned the Kings and the, and the Sabres, other teams you, you, um, you worked for the. We lost RJ last year uh, as a as a as a full time broadcaster, um, right? And he was just and a, thankfully he, enough, there's another coincidence. We were in town for the night he was honored. Yes, I remember. I remember that, and and I think we I think we talked on Twitter that night about how awesome that yeah. was. Actually, yeah. Um, and you know, he was just in the arena the other day. We retired Ryan Miller's number, and he yes, you know, was a big part of that ceremony. He's still around. He's still a part of it. I was just curious because, like, again, we had talked that night. Any cool RJ stories, anything you want to say or reflect on <clears throat> on his career in the booth? You know, I grew up, man, listen how spoiled I was, and you know it too. <laughs> uh, Van Miller, right? Yep. Jennerette, yep. Ted Darling. You know yep. what I mean? These were the voices of, of my childhood when I <clears throat> put sports on. What a lucky dude. But I thought you'd be uniquely answered maybe to share a RJ story or a thought on his career or two. Well, <clears throat> number one, it's unex- <clears throat> unsurpassed anywhere what he was able to do and how long he was able to do it. And then I got a note from him just before my surgery, and everybody had seen the description of the affliction that I had, which boils down to water on the brain and uh, having to have a shunt put in to drain it off. And then he sent me this note that says, can't you at least get a normal disease or malady? <laughs> because it comes out, it came out to uh, low pressure hydrocephalus, <clears throat> and you have to be careful pronouncing cephalus. Right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I just figured he's not lost his sense of humor. That's for sure. Yeah. And I don't think he ever will. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best, really, to do it. I was lucky to grow up here and 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 have him. And uh, listen to him. Who, who's who, who's good around the league right now? Do you think in terms of calling games? When you when you sit at home, you're cl- yeah. clicking around on ESPN Plus. Are there some broadcasts that that catch your ear? A few. Well, I live. I really like Dave Gosher on the Vegas Golden Knights, so I knew from Boston. Okay. Jack Jack Michaels from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he here's a kid that uh, grew up outside Pittsburgh, and then. When the Oilers were looking to replace Rod Phillips, here you are in Edmonton, a far northern outpost. They had to call on Jack Michaels, who by that time was working for in Anchorage uh, in the ECHL. And so they had a guy that had to move south to come to Edmonton. 
I thought that was kind of funny. And uh, great personality, good presentation, very solid. He's kind of like a young Rick Jenneret, really, to me. He's awesome. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. I was I was listening to a lot of radio last year when I was getting healthy. I would just, oh, I bet. I would just go into the bedroom early and put some games on the radio, baseball and hockey. And he called a goal during the playoffs. Uh, and I, it was during the Calgary series. And yep. they, they scored one maybe to go up 4 nothing. They are just kind of running him out of the building early. And he just had such a great call. And I'm friends with the guys that do the uh, Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. Yeah. And yeah. John Oron. They do a podcast and they do a call of the week every year. And I said, I got to send this to those guys. And I sent it to them and they loved it and played it as a call of the week. And then and, and, um, Jack and Andrew, I think, went to college at Ithaca together or knew each other from yeah. back then. Uh, but yeah, he's good. And that was a great, he had a great call last year. I'm one of the McDavid goals, I think it was, is where he's talking about just skating him out of the building. And I got to, as, huh. you know, that's a good one. I like that one. Anyone else you want to mention? Sorry, I jumped in. No, no. not a, <clears throat> And a, another guy that I have uh, listened to for quite some time and I think is uh, underrated when you get right down to it is uh, the people that uh, are bringing us the hockey from Minnesota. And I think Bob Kurtz, who had just retired, I'm sorry that he is gone from the league. He was doing college hockey when I was. He was uh, with Michigan State, and then I was at Notre Dame. And uh, calls an absolutely outstanding game and works with uh, someone who's quite familiar to Western New York hockey people, and that's Tommy Reed. I think everybody remembers Doug and Tom Reed. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Probably putting skates on many of the young kids in Western New York over in Fort Erie. Yeah, oh yeah, my we used to go. That's where we got our equipment, you know, because the, the the difference in the dollar, oh, yeah, it wasn't equal to the difference in the price over there. So you could get, you know, the three hundred dollar ice skates here for, I don't know, two hundred there, you know, and yes, yeah, we spent a lot of time at Reed's in Fort Erie for sure. The um, the job of like the PBP one nationally is different yes. now because the the league is split. You know, so you really yeah, have okay, the, yeah, yeah. you have the two guys, right? Where for years we had Gary Thorne, and then yep. we had Doc, of course. You know, right. and the what the there was one year where the before the contract split after Doc, and it was really Kenny, and kind of in full disclosure, like a really good friend of mine took me to dinner yep. last time I was in Jersey. Uh, but I think he's fantastic too. On a like calling either Rangers on radio or calling a national, I really enjoy him and. I hope he George, works just as hard at both. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> and basketball and football, yeah, uh, whatever, uh, all the sports he does. And I hope Joe Davis, who's a rising star at Fox, got the the Joe Buck spot in baseball. One of their top guys on football. When my brother was in the NCAA tournament for Yale, they won it in 2013. Yeah. Their regional, Joe Davis called that regional. Um, <laughs> so he's done some hockey. I hope we can get. We might have lost him to football and baseball, but. Hopefully we get Joe Davis to call some hockey too. So I love this stuff. I love the guys just calling the game, and yeah, it seems like there's so many good ones. You know, I ran across league. Joe when he was doing the Montgomery Biscuits in the Southern League, and that, and so many guys have ties to minor league hockey teams, right? Like Bob yes. Costas got his start calling Syracuse some minor league the, hockey team in Syracuse, the Blazers, yeah. yeah, the Blazers, and and Kenny was with the um, Skipjacks. Kenny Albert. Yep. And you know, when he was there, what he, part of his job was, aside from doing the games, he had to room with the coach on the road. That coach was Barry Trotz. Wow. Wow. Keith Elaine, I think, was on that staff as well. Wow. What a a coaching staff, right? And then Young Hockey Leagues, they got 
a future coach like Barry Trost in the NHL, a Stanley Cup coach, and an NCAA championship coach in Keith Elaine on staff down there as well. Pretty wild to, to think about. Yes, it. it is. Yeah. This is one of the things about hockey, too. Just It's a small world. The hockey world's like a small mm-hmm. world. And yes. the stories and the people and the relationships you make. Is that what keeps? Is that part of what keeps you wanting to do it as much as oh, you yeah. do at this stage? You might not want to miss a, a visit by some team yeah. and their broadcasters and reporters. And uh, that is a huge component of my desire to keep going. Yeah, the camaraderie and, and the guys, the boys, you know, and the girls as well that are in the game who are great, um, I think is a, is a huge part of it as well. What what um, When you look ahead, how, do you think about how much longer you want to do this or or what you still want? Maybe not even about time, but like I said, we kind of got to it earlier but didn't quite get to it. Like, what do you still want to call? What's still on your on your on your? What do you what do you feel like is still in your microphone that needs to come out of it? I would still like to call, and I spent many years, as you know, being in Buffalo, many years doing AAA baseball. I still want to call one major league baseball game. Mm. I'd love to. Hear I called it. one. I called one uh, preseason game <clears throat> for the Pirates uh, at the Astros, and of course they said you're a hockey guy anyway, so a Canadian. <laughs> A Canadian hits the home run, uh, you know, when it comes down to it. So that was, they said, well, that's perfect for you. That's awesome. You know, it's crazy, too. You must have been tickled by this when all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, good old Pilot Field is a Major League Baseball stadium, huh? Yeah. I went and watched the Yankees and the Blue Jays play a Major League Baseball game down at Pilot Field. Yeah, I saw saw the uh, Texas Rangers and the Blue Jays, yes. Unbelievable! You didn't ever. I mean, I remember, and of course you did too, when we were in the mix for what was eventually Florida and Colorado. I guess were the, who got yeah. the teams, but I just remember the riches and the journey. And you know, I was kid at the time, just hoping and praying, oh, it'd be so cool to get a major league baseball team. And people yes. have said to me, it's a good thing we didn't get it because maybe the '94 strike would have really hurt the team at the time, and maybe it wouldn't have lasted <clears> long. As it did Montreal. As yeah. it did Montreal. Yeah, but um. I just remember those days, and, and when I was sitting in the stands, it was almost like we, although temporarily, we got the expansion yep. team, you know, for a little bit. And what a great thing for the team because they got all those improvements. Oh my! In the city, you know, it's all incredible. those things that the the Blue Jays did to make that stadium major league ready, they didn't take it with them. You know, it's still it's still downtown there. We're, I'm sure you love coming here. Are there some cities you still love visiting on the road too with Nashville? Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I really enjoy coming to Buffalo, obviously. Yeah. I like going back to L.A., though, you know, I only spent one season with the Predators playing games in my old home in the Forum on Manchester Boulevard. But uh, the other places I love to go around the league, I, well, particularly after the uh, billions of dollars of renovations, Madison Square Garden now is truly a treat. It's not like going to the zoo as it, as it had been earlier years. And I, I guess I think of the zoo because... When I was with the Kings, we had one playoff series there in 1979 because they always used to close it down for the circus. Well, they didn't close it down. We had 9 p.m. face-offs Eastern time, and that that allowed for a couple of circus performances, but it did not allow for the smell to dissipate. (laughs) And so 
<laughs> that was a little bit different, but uh, yeah, th- those were fun times. Walking into the arena like dodging elephant crap or something like that in the back in the hallways. Uh, I was told lion, lion. Okay, lion. Fair enough. Uh, and that, and coincidentally, Alex Lion just in the garden the other night for the Panthers playing. Um, yeah. So yeah, full, still lions in the garden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the league is obviously a lot different. Oh, than it was in the seventies. It's a lot. <laughs> And it seems like the league will change one way. It'll go back. It'll come back. So we got a lot more goals this year, um, certainly yes. in Buffalo. But around the league in general, it seems like goals are up. What do you think about the the this, the hockey game specifically and the way it's being played at the NHL level? How do you feel like the game's evolving, becoming more marketable, less marketable? Where do you feel like it stands just in terms of the way we're playing it right now? It is so fast. <clears throat> and it's sometimes it's darn hard for a broadcaster to keep up with the pace. But the thing is, my comparison for that, somebody sent me a YouTube uh, clip of a 10-8 game I did with the Kings and the Edmonton Oilers wow. in the playoffs in the early 80s. And I'm watching, wow, 18 goals. I can't wait to open this up and start the, hit the play button. But then I looked at it and I said, man, yeah, 18 goals, but this seems to be so slow slow, deliberate, and in comparison to the game, the way it's being played now. Uh, there are guys who were Hall of Fame players that I don't know <clears throat> if thrust all of a sudden into this generation, into this time period, if they'd be able to survive in the game. Yeah, I think you're right about that for sure. It was in the pad, the goaltender, the goaltenders oh, are striking oh. to you. You yeah. know, the way the goalies look. Anytime you watch some of that old footage. You know, but I know th- those guys will probably say to us, like, well, we don't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to train like they train today. Right. You know, if we were around today, we wouldn't have to work at the steel mill or the farm in the off season, And yes, we'd be training and we'd have the, you know, the one piece sticks and things like that, too. So I see that side of it, too. The sportscasts are here with the great Pete Weber at Pete Weber Sports on Twitter. One B, uh, one of the truly great broadcasters. Um, a lot of people know the call um, that. Derek Plant that RJ had. Um, <laughs> Weber's just as good. Uh, really great moment that he had here in Buffalo. You know, I want to ask you, we kind of touched on the pandemic for a second. Uh, yeah. But I want to ask you about maybe one of the, in terms of sports broadcasting, one of the things that has seemed to come out of it that I hope ends quickly. And I want to get yes. your thoughts on it. I understood then some teams not traveling and calling games. Yeah. Um, or away games uh, from home for safety and things like that. Uh, but it seems now... Which the Toronto Maple Leafs are still doing. That's what I mean. It seems now, <clears throat> you know, if you want to be major league, you, you got to get back. You got to get these guys back in the arenas, right? What do you think about this mm-hmm. trend of broadcasters not traveling <clears throat> and teams saying they're doing it for safety, but we kind of know at this point they're doing it for budgets and things yeah. like that. What do you think about the, that? And, and do you, I'm sure you're uniquely... Um, equipped to kind of answer and explain uh, why you agree with me and it's so bad and, and needs to stop, right? Well, number one, for a broadcaster, <clears throat> to not, here's what the pandemic really did. It separated the broadcasters from the people they were covering. So there was no interaction, uh, whether on the road or at home, because they didn't want us around. They thought, you know, we were carrying the bug with us, perhaps. Right. And, and that, really removes a great part of the advantage you have with daily interaction with the players, the coaches, and the other personnel. Uh, so 
you know, even, you know, to the point where all of our interviews were done on Zoom calls and uh, that you don't, you cannot really connect with someone very well that way. Though I know <laughs> uh, job interviews are being conducted on Zoom, etc. cetera, uh, but I don't think you're getting the full, the full taste, the full flavor of it by doing it remotely. The other thing. Uh, I did a lot of games from Bridgestone Arena when the Predators were on the road. And it, uh, you know, the, the home team had to provide the video for you. And the home team producers oftentimes still wanted to be as artful, artistic, however you wish to put it, uh, with their, the video they're providing. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't help me too much to see a close-up of a fan's face or a player's face when action is going on on the ice. Right. And then you, you got to try and fill in a blank someplace, and it's a blank that didn't necessarily need to be there when you're doing that. So that took away from the overall experience, too. When we first came back uh, in the, what, the summer of 2020, they gave us a choice of two video feeds. There was the All-12, 12, All-12 12 players on the ice, a wide shot, and then there was the television broadcast to which we're more accustomed. But I tell you, that that all 12 shot was a great help for me. And I, I think that gives you the idea of when you're restricted to just what the producer-director selects for you to see uh, wherever you're doing the game, you're in a, a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, for one, you can't tell. There's two officials on the screen, and they're not always both in the picture. You don't know right. if one might have put his arm up. You don't know when the goalie comes out in a lot of cases. Correct. You know, until you can see that there's more players on the ice. But then maybe there's just too many players on the ice. You know, whatever. I, I really felt bad for Doc, particularly when he was having his yes. last season. You know, that last Stanley Cup, you could really tell. You know, and it's not timed exactly perfectly either. It felt like he was a little yep. behind the action. And um, it just seemed really Yeah, I know they unfair. rewired Doc's house. Yeah. Yeah, they did the best they could. But, like, yeah. you know, I just hockey particularly, like you said, the whole ice just isn't in the picture. Um, yes. You know, and we're missing stuff. And, and I hope it's mostly back, you know, but like you said, the least – you know, a few teams like the Mets in baseball weren't traveling last year. Like, hopefully yeah. this year they're back on the road. It's just like we need to get back and, and, and be major league. So, I don't know. The sportscasters finishing up with uh, with one of the all-time great hockey broadcasters, Pete Weber. He's also done baseball, other things, but mainly the hockey dude. Notre Dame guy, um, you know, a big Notre Dame guy, football, hockey. I uh, know one of your passions uh, as well. Um, we'll be rooting for them to maybe get the tournament this year. I know the. Um, oh, I would love that. Yeah, um, and they um, have built a great program down there in South Bend too. Hockey wise, you got to be proud of. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I always have to check. Well, what are you? Where are you going to direct yourself next? Are you going to do all sports? Oh yeah, I do everything. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do as much as I can. And you know, and like one thing I think that because of the pandemic too, when sports were shut down. You know, I, I've I've made it okay for myself to like, hey, I'm into a show or something, or, or you know, someone had a book about Goodfellas, my, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I have a mind and talk about Goodfellas for half hour. You know, I think yeah. I think I'm a Mike and the Mad Dog guy through and through. Like I loved Mike and the Mad Dog. You know, you I had family. I'm an Italian kid. I had family on Staten Island. I listened to them then. Then they were on Yes. You know, whatever. I got to love the show. Yes. I think back. What did I love most about it when they weren't talking about sports? 
when they'd be right. kibitzing about presidents or fighting over a movie or, you know, stuff like that. So I try to do as much as I can um, once in a while on other things. It doesn't always have to be hockey or football or baseball or whatever. Um, Good. If, if it's something I, I'm interested in, I don't mind having it on the show. And I'm lucky in a sense that the show only exists because I say it does. And it will, only, yeah. it will only not exist because I say it does. So it's not like someone can be in my ear and say, you know, it's just just too much pop culture content in there the last couple of weeks. We have to let you go. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about this. All right. Let's get you out of here on this. Um, you know, the one thing that will be really rough for me as a fan, if the Sabres make the playoffs this year, is to think that it's one year too late for RJ. You know, that yeah. one of the worst things about, the drought for the Sabres is we wasted, you know, the last 12, 10, 10 years of Generette's career and missed Some out vintage Generette. Yeah, yeah. And missed out at another mayday, you know, or another, um, scary, good comment or something. Yes. Um, who knows how many years you have left in your career? I hope there, there are many, but if you, let's get you out here in this, if you could pick a one thing to happen, um, is there one thing on the ice you still want to call? More than anything, um, uh, I still want to call a Stanley Cup win. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope, and they... that might that might be far fetched, but I, I hope not. And I would love to be able to do that. And like you say, all they got to do is get in the tournament, right? We saw with the Kings, That's correct? We saw with the Kings and Quick and other teams, and with the Preds in, in uh, when they got to the final. Yeah, they were they were the eighth seed. They were the last team to make the field. Yeah, and that was Crosby, right? Penn Crosby and the yes. Preds. What was the best? Yep. Thing? What, what do you What are you going to remember most about that cup? Uh, the frustration of seeing it awarded on home ice yeah. <laughs> to the other side. Sure, uh, but hey, they earned it. So you know, more power to them. Well, more more power to you, and I hope that you call games forever, and and you'll be calling them in my head forever. That's for sure. Uh, at Pete Weber Sports again on Twitter, and he calls games for the National Predators. Anything else you want to promote or mention or anything like that that you didn't get out there? Uh, let's see. Um, no, there's nothing at the top of my mind in that regard. Uh, I'm just going to be doing some voiceovers here today in my home studio and uh, try to make them as good as I can. Well, listen, I just want to say thank you um, because it's been an honor to have you on this show, and not only once or twice or three, maybe four or five times now. Uh, that you've been nice enough to come on, and I really appreciate that, getting to know and talk to you a little bit and uh, be able to, you know, just for a guy like me who just grew up loving not only sports but sports media, and uh, yeah. it's been cool to be like, oh, let me just text him, see if he wants to come on. That's kind of a cool thing for me. So I appreciate you. want to thank you. I'm glad you're back in the booth where you belong, and I wish you, you know, many more years of health and happiness and uh, keep the water off the brain keep it in your mug exactly yeah. well it's emptying now into my into my stomach which i think has ample capacity very good that sounds like a much better much better <laughs> spot for it. thank you mr weber appreciate you thank you steve i appreciate your time I want to thank Pete Weber for being on the show. I also want to thank Mike Shope and Christopher Parker. Don't forget you can check out the season premiere of the Sportscasters and all episodes of the Sportscasters podcast on my SoundCloud page. 
It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com. And if you're the reviewing type, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify would be great. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you go somewhere to listen and we're not there, let me know. And uh, I can set it up from there. Don't forget also about my other podcast, the 24-inch podcast at 24-inch podcast on Twitter at 24-inch podcast at gmail.com. Episodes of that show every other Monday. The most recent episode of the podcast is up. It went up on Monday this week, and it features the 1989 Royal Rumble. One of the great nights for the Hulkster, despite not being the winner of that rumble. He still kicked ass all night anyway. All right. One last thing for me today. As we close off the first episode of the 13th season of the podcast. Uh, Last year, it was January 28th, 2022, uh, that I got sick. And I took an an ambulance ride um, for the first time from my home. I had never left my home in an ambulance before that day. Uh, and started basically an eight-month journey um, to hell and back. And it was a difficult year for me, and it was a difficult year for my family. And like I said last year, it was a battle that I had to fight and a battle that I won. And I'm happy about that. And it wasn't the first time I've had those battles. I mean, in terms of being sick where it went to the level of a reconstruction that happened to me in 2004, 2013, 2019, and 2022. And I've also had other surgeries. I had a surgery where my gallbladder was taken out I had in 2008. I had a surgery right before the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010 for hiatal hernia. I had a surgical hernia surgery. So I've had other medical issues as well, which are all sort of tied together, of course. But those ones didn't quite reach the level of a reconstruction when you have, you know, 17 centimeters or whatever taken out of your colon. And it seems like for whatever reason, a lot of those things happened in January. And I knew as Christmas ended and we got into the new year, I knew that I might struggle a little bit with my mental health. I knew that I might have some flashbacks. I knew that I might have some issues kind of getting over that hump getting over the one year mark um and i knew it was coming and it did and i've been having nightmares um not every night but i've been having nightmares you know waking up my heart's beating out of my chest and and the thing about it is for the most part is it's it's not conscious you know i'm not really struggling day to day i'm i'm doing great really um i'm enjoying my health, I'm enjoying my daughter, my wife, my family. Um, you know, I'm doing well for the most part, but the scars are there, I guess. And when I lay my head to sleep and uh, I guess I have too much time to think, I can let my mental health run amok. And sometimes my mental health can be tied to my physical health. And if I'm not careful, I can talk myself into a flare or something, you know? So I have to be careful to kind of think about these things, talk about these things. And, you know, when it happens, I need friends. I need family. 
You know, I need to not be afraid to say to someone, hey, I'm not doing great. You know, I wish I was doing better. And the problem is, is it gets tough because everybody's got their own shit, you know, and nobody was just waiting around for me to start having nightmares so that they could help me, you know, and it's not an indictment on anyone. Nobody's doing anything wrong. It's just it's not that easy, you know. Um, my, my, my inner circle, you know, you have an inner circle, right? I've got my family that I live with. That's my most inner circle and they're here. They're the, they're, they're great. They're the best, you know, but also like one of them is six and I don't want to go to her and say, Paula, daddy's having nightmares. So she's out. Right. And then Tammy is there for that. And, and she's good. She's good. Got to help her there. And then you, you expand me on the house at my parents, and they're both pretty good. You know, my mom, though, she's busy, really busy, um, and has her mind, you know, elsewhere and on other things and has my other brothers to worry about. And then my dad is, you know, retired, and, and, and he's available. But, you know, when we talk, and it's always been this way, we'd rather talk about the game or something. You know, my brother Greg who has been my number one, really, through all this. And I did a one last thing about him last year. But he's got a fa- he's got two kids. He's got a job. He refs as well. It's basically two jobs, you know. And we live on the other side of the city, too, which is difficult. And then my other brother, he's in New Jersey and would rather not deal with this stuff, to be honest. He... You know, I I called and told him I was having nightmares, and he said, "Yeah, you should call your friends." So, and and he was right, and I did call my friends, and and I, one of my friends is, is a big fan of one of the teams that was left in the playoffs, and actually they needed to win to get into the playoffs their last game, and I reached out and said, "Hey, I'd love to support, watch the game," and and he said, "Great, you know, come over and watch it." So I did, and we had a good time. I thought. <laughs> We had a good time watching it together and his team won and they made the playoffs and I stayed a little bit after and we talked about old times and it was a a great night and I felt great and I left and I said, hey, next week for the playoff game, let's do it back. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And then we didn't. I I reached out and he said, "Ah, I'm going somewhere. My parents are coming over. Now, I've known his parents since I was 16 years old, but maybe they didn't want to see me or whatever. I don't know. But. He wasn't available for that game. Fair enough. So didn't get to do it. Then they won that game. They had a game last week on Saturday. I said, hey, doing anything for the game? And he wrote back, nah. And I said, oh, you watching by yourself? And he just didn't write back. So that's cool. You know, I figure sometimes when people have big games, they just want to be alone. They want to watch yourself. And then I saw on social media, you had like little kids running around the place and Trevor. Trevor Lawrence uh, hats and, you know, it's clearly people are around, but I guess I couldn't be around. So, and then stuff like that just hurts your feelings, you know, and it makes me, it makes me not want to go to friends, you know, because like, I don't have great friends really. And, and maybe part of that's my fault. I don't have a lot of really close friends anymore. I have people I care about a lot, but a lot of those relationships are mostly in the past. I talked to my one friend, Justin, uh, the other day, we had a really good call. Like, I had a really great time talking to Justin. We talked for like 45 minutes and he told me about his kids and 
Uh, he told me about his job and I asked him questions and we had a really great call and we talked about his hockey and we talked about him and him and him and him and him. And never once did he say, well, anything about me. And and that's just how this guy is. And I, and I love and care for that guy. And uh, but he he's, you know, that's probably the last time I'll talk to him until I call him again and ask him about him and talk about him. And so I really lean on the people close closest to me. Um, and it's just so difficult because they just have their own things. And it, it makes it really tough. But I will just have to keep fighting. And, and I guess why am I saying all this? What's the point? I guess the point is, is that when I was sick last year, in, in January, it was a physical thing. And I knew that I needed to fight for my health then. I needed to fight for my life for, for, I need to do it on my own. You know, those 60 days that I spent in the hospital, you know, 60 days I couldn't see Paula because she couldn't be there. You know, a lot of those 60 days, Tammy couldn't be there because she had to be with Paula who couldn't be there. And a lot of those days I was alone and I had to battle alone and fight alone and get better alone. And I did. And I think the hard thing now is to realize that I need to do that again now. I need to fight and battle alone alone now because I can't let this mental stuff overcome me. And I, I guess I bring it all up because mental health is everywhere now. Talk about your mental health. We got people leaving the Olympics, you know, because of their mental health. It's become such a big issue. And sometimes I don't get it and sometimes I do. And... You know, so if you're someone struggling with your mental health out there, so am I. And this is why I'm struggling. And I, and, and it's the hardest thing about it is, is it's not conscious. I'm not walking around moping every day. I'm not walking around worrying about what happened. I'm not looking for a pat on the back or anything. But then when the lights are out and it's quiet, I'm having nightmares. And I'm waking up sweating and my heart is beating. And then the next day, my my Crohn's, I can feel swollen. I'm letting my mental health affect my physical health, and that's the danger of it. And I guess I'm just saying this because maybe partially because it's therapeutic for me to say it out loud and because I try to be honest about my life in this section. That's the point of it. One last thing is like kind of like my chance to be Howard, what, the, what made the Howard Stern show great, to be authentic and to tell you about my life and share my life. And I'm sure there'll be people who won't like what I said and they'll disagree with me. And I understand that this is just my truth. And again, I'm not mad at anyone really, maybe one person. But, and it's not even that I'm mad. I'm just, my feelings are hurt just because I want to be there. I want to be a friend, but I understand I'm difficult. I'm not perfect for sure and can be difficult. Maybe people just don't want me around. That's fine. I just, I'm just struggling right now because of what happened before. And I just need to get over that hump. And I know I need to get over that hump. And the best thing I can do is, I guess, be in this room and do this show and interview people and make connections and talk about sports and talk about media and talk about my life. And put the podcast up and do 24-inch podcast with Dave. And then to leave this room and to just be in this house and to be a dad and to be a husband. 
and to be a brother and to be a son and be all those things as best as I can be and to be a friend and just be the best version of myself I can be. And that's not easy because it's hard to be the best version of yourself all the time. And the best version of me is a lot better than the worst version of me. And the best version of me is a lot better than even, say, the 50% best version of me. You know, I know I am very self-aware and I know I can be grouchy and I can be difficult and I can be, uh, quite frankly, someone you wouldn't want to be around to watch a football game. I understand that. Um, So I need to work on those things and I need to keep fighting and I need to win this January the mental health battle like I needed to win the this January and February and March. I need to win the mental health battle just as much as I need to win the physical health battle last year. And I'm starting new medicine this next month or so. I'm going to be starting a drug called Humira to work on, to, again, to further work on my physical health. Um, I'm trying to take less of some other medicines that I've depended on. And around and around we go. And we'll just see, hopefully, uh, the words obstruction and reconstruction and surgery aren't in my vocabulary anytime soon. And they're replaced instead by words like vacation and um, podcasts and interview and, you know, daddy and things like that. So if you're struggling, keep fighting. I am. It's not easy, uh, but just keep doing your best. Be honest with yourself and other people. And uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm praying for you. And if you're praying for me, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, we got a 24-inch podcast we're working on now. In a couple weeks, we're going to do Dino Bravo on Superstars in 1990. Dave and I are also tossing around some ideas about how we're going to work towards eventually doing WrestleMania 3 someday. That's what's going on there on the sportscaster side of things. Um, we're gonna keep, I'm going to keep working on the book club, and I'm working on guests. I have a, an app in my phone called Evernote. And on Evernote, I have a little chart of guests that I've reached out to, guests that I've emailed, guests that I want to email, you know, people who aren't quite on the radar for guests yet because I haven't asked. You know, it's called the Guest Tracker. I mean, I've got people like Drew Brees, uh, Mike Triplett, and Nick Underhill together, Matthew Dennison, James Horncastle, Elks Faustu. It will be on the show soon. Uh, Matteo Bonetti. I'm just working as hard as I can to book guests and to have a great 13th season of the Sportscasters. And if you're a listener, I just want to say thank you uh, for for doing that and for hearing me out and listening to this show. Uh, And that's it for tonight. We'll be back next week, the week after, as soon as we can. As soon as I have two interviews recorded, uh, we'll be back to continue the 13th season of the Sportscasters podcast. Take that.